This video is sponsored by Game Toppers. Turn your own kitchen or dining room table into a premium portable game solution at a fraction of the cost. Hey everybody, welcome to the second in a series of videos I'm calling What Happened To. So today we're going to talk about what happened to 2011. I'll put a link to the playlist and geek list as I add these to a list. Uh, the gist of it is, which I explained in the first one, is that I'm going back through the top 20 most anticipated games on BoardGameGeek. A guy named Rick Vineyard has been doing these for several years. The BoardGameGeek community votes on it. And then that's what, you know, theoretically, most people are hyped about for the upcoming year. So I'm going back and taking a look at them, seeing where are they now? Do I still play them? Do I still have them? Are they talked about in general? Do they still exist? Do they get in print and that kind of thing? Now, this is my second one. There are four repeats uh, on this list that were on the previous list. So I'm just going to skip over those. Uh, normally, the lists are 20. There's going to be just 16 in that. I'm just going to skip over them. I'll have links to all these geek lists and stuff as well. And uh, so if you want to go look and see what got repeated. Because sometimes, you know, a game is anticipated to come out for the year. But, you know, it doesn't always make it out and that kind of thing. And, you know, print runs and timings are very confusing, too, because it could come out in Europe, but not in the United States or vice versa and that kind of thing. So let's just go ahead and jump right into uh, the number. I might screw the numbering up because there's 20 on this list, but this is the number 16. It's actually 20 on the list, but I'm removing the four. So number 16 is Cosmic Encounter Cosmic Conflict. And this is a Cosmic Encounter expansion. There was one on the year before. And I don't know that I've played with this expansion. I've played Cosmic Encounter, like I said, four or five times. And we've played with stuff mixed into it. It's been a while since I played it. Um, but, you know, like I said last week, uh, Cosmic Encounter is still around. It's still getting printed. The expansions are still getting printed. So, you know, folks were hyped up, I think, for good reason for this. This has been a game that's lasted, you know, well before this list was made back in 2011 and, and well after right now into 2022. Uh, so Cosmic Encounter is still around. It's a game I enjoy. I've had some bad plays of it. I have some great plays of it. And uh, it's, it's one that's just, it's probably going to be around forever, you know, quote unquote forever. Uh, so anyway, so that's Cosmic Encounter, Cosmic Conflict. Now, the number 15 here is London. It's a Martin Wallace game. This was initially published through his uh, Tree Frog publication. It's now being brought back in a, in a second edition a couple of years ago from Osprey Games. I still have the second edition on my shelf. Uh, I haven't played it in a little while, but it's probably been probably about a year, roughly a year since I played it. Uh, it's one that I still enjoy playing and I look forward to playing. Uh, the new edition, I think, is an improvement over the original, but I have a lot of fond memories playing that original edition as well. I will say the new edition probably fixed some things that, you know, uh, I wasn't too keenly aware of that needed fixing, but then after you play the second edition, it's like, oh, okay, I can kind of see uh, how this is a, a little bit more of an improvement. It's a card you know, kind of display game where you get cards and you discard cards to pay for the cost of other cards and you basically are rebuilding London after the Great Fire, uh, you and your competitors in carving up districts and uh, setting up little industries. And it has this really cool thing, which I've not really seen in any other game, where you kind of play cards and, and you get them on your display row and then you can take a turn to kind of run your cards. So you go and activate all your cards. Some of them will flip down, and then you've got to kind of rebuild that engine over and over again. And some you can have some cards that will prevent others from flipping, so you can reuse them multiple times. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, and this is one, like I said, it's still around. It's got a second printing, a second edition. And I think this still stays in print regularly for Osprey. I'm not too sure about that. Um, but it's, uh, it's kind of on the heavier side, so a little bit more of a niche there. But yeah, London from 
Martin Wallace and now Osprey Games. So the number 14 is Survive Escape from Atlantis. Now this is an old game, I believe it came out in like 1982, 83, uh, from probably like Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers or somebody, I'm not really sure who. But then it was brought back by Stronghold Games, who is uh, still a, a good sized publisher, still around, still making games. There's been some change of ownerships, I believe Indie Boards and Cards, quote unquote, bought. Stronghold, I'm not sure the exact arrangement there, but they, they went into a kind of a merger, a partnership situation. And Survive Escape from Atlantis was really Stronghold's it might have been their first game. I think it was their second game, actually, if I remember right. But it was their first really big game. And I think you still see this one in stores. I know they had a deal, I think, with Barnes & Noble. I think it might have been Target. But I think it was Barnes & Noble where it would get out into there. So you see it in some of these big box stores. This is definitely a family game where you're everybody's trying to basically escape uh, an island. And there's sharks and things like that that will try to eat your characters. And you have... These little meeples with you know points underneath the bottom of them that are worth different points. You try to bluff that you're trying to get your low value or your high value meeples off the island, you know, onto shore and safety. And there's like a little bit of a sort of a semi-co-op vibe where you, maybe you together get on the same boat, but then you can kind of turn the tables and sort of you know backstab the other person and you know maybe hopefully try to take down their high value meeple and you sacrifice your low value meeple and so on so it's a pretty cool game i played it uh it's been a while since i played it, several years but i played this with family with gamer group and it's just a lot of fun a really really fun game definitely recommend it and um i think it's still in print um you know i didn't see it so long ago so that's a survive escape from atlantis and then the next one here is a repeat, hang on, <laughs> so we'll skip that one. And the next one is Space Empires 4X. This is from GMT Games. It's a 4X space game, so explore, exterminate, exploit, something, and then, um, and it's really, really cool. I, I played this game a couple of times, not back when it came out. It took me probably a year, a couple of years to get around to playing it. I did enjoy it. It's, it's a lot of bookkeeping, it's a lot of you know a lot of rules and stuff but it actually once you get into it it works pretty smoothly um it's not one that i would put as my favorite 4x games but i still do hear it talked about and some people have mentioned to me this is my favorite you know kind of space 4x game over i mean these games are not really like this game but like over an eclipse or a twilight imperium or you know any of these other 4x games this one's a little bit more contemplative. There's a little bit more kind of simulation and stuff involved. It's honestly been several years since I played it, but I do remember enjoying it. Um, and I think this is GMT. So GMT does kind of a weird thing where they have this P500 idea where, you know, they'll get kind of like pre-orders, but they won't charge you until they get enough pre-orders to actually, you know, pull the trigger and then manufacture it. They were, it's kind of like Kickstarter before Kickstarter, but it's a little bit more favorable to the consumer uh, in a way because they build up to get a certain number of pre-orders and you, usually you pre-order it at a little bit of a discount, maybe like 15, 20% discount from the final retail price. And then once they hit 500, they call it the P500, then it'll start sort of pull the trigger, the production engine will start, they'll keep taking pre-orders. And then if they get a lot of pre-orders, it will kind of bump it to the front of the list. And maybe they can spend some extra money on some of the extra components and stuff. And that's one of the things GMT has done over the years is really upgraded their component quality, like the physical material um, that's there. And as well as the artwork a little bit and stuff. Um, so this one, when it comes into print, to do a future print run, 
they usually run another P500, unless it's one of their like evergreens, like Twilight Struggle. I think they just kind of keep that one in print because it just keeps selling out. Uh, this one might be one of those, I'm not sure. Um, but you know, if it wasn't an evergreen for them, and I think it might be, it would, you'd see it on the P500 list, you know, probably repeat repeatedly. Uh, and so anyway, this is a game that's, it has stuck around, you know, it's, it's a kind of a smaller niche publisher compared to some others, but, uh, this is one that you still see kicking around space empires 4X. So the next game is from AEG games. This is nightfall. And I believe this is their second step into deck builders their first one was of course was thunderstone and then this one was more of a head-to-head -head kind of punch you in the face you know deck builder like thunderstone or dominion they were sort of just engine building things there was not usually a lot of interaction uh, between the players now some of the dominion cards like the witch and some of the other card names I forgot. They did have some interaction where you were discarding cards off of other players or maybe adding like curses to their deck. This was definitely a, you go out and you attack the other players. Uh, this one I don't think is around at all anymore. And it's not one that I particularly cared for it. I was really excited when it came out because the theme is uh, basically like, uh, if I remember, it was like werewolves and vampires and sort of horror themed. And I like that was cool. It was kind of a different thing back then. And I like the head-to-head -head idea, you know, kind of the hit you in the face idea. Uh, even Ascension wasn't really a hit you in the face kind of thing. It was, you know, you'd attack monsters on the table for points. There wasn't really a lot of direct interaction. You know, like I said, sometimes a couple of cards in some of the sets would do that. But this was all about just hitting each other, and, and it was an attacking kind of deck builder. And I don't think we really saw one of those that really, really, really worked until we got to uh, Star Realms, which was the first one, which may show up on one of these lists down the road here. Uh, but this is Nightfall. This one hasn't really stuck around so much. And, uh, and I think a lot of people were very mixed on how this one actually turned out uh, back in the day. So we'll keep going here. A couple of repeats. And then we're up here. Uh, I'm just going to say it's number 12 on the list. I forget what number we're at on my list. But this is Urban Sprawl. This one was actually my game of the year back then. Uh, it's one I still have in the collection. I still enjoy it. Uh, this one was designed by Chad Jensen. He designed Dominant Species and Combat Commander. Mm, another big one, too. And then also this one. And most people, I say, don't like this game. I have talked to people like myself that actually really love this game. Uh, this is kind of a city building game, sort of a Sim City. Um, mechanically, it doesn't really come out like that. It's I don't want to bog down too much in the description of this because I've talked about it a lot on the channel. Um, but it's one that I really enjoy. I'd probably not recommend it at four players because it could go kind of chaotically wrong for people and it would be really long with four players. I would play it with four players though, no problem. Uh, but it's really a great two and three player game. And it's like you kind of card draft and then you all build the city together on a main board. A lot of city building games, you're all building on your own boards and stuff. Not really too much interaction. This is a lot of interaction. It has a lot of like, one of the best parts of the sim games is a lot of the chaotic events and you know weather catastrophes and all these kinds of things that can st be stirred up in a city that you have to kind of deal with and you really have no control over other than how you react to it uh, and that's one of the things i really like about the game uh, so yeah this one i would say if i were to take an objective look this one is not really stuck around i think it's still in print maybe maybe not um, it's one that I personally enjoy, but really hasn't kind of stood the test of time at all, um, you know, in, in a more general sense. So anyway, that's that's Urban Sprawl there. So the next one on the list here is Battlestar Galactica. 
the Exodus expansion. And I can't tell you if I've played with this expansion or not. I think I have. Um, I played I played Battlestar a few times. I played it with some of the expansions. I've never owned Battlestar, but I've played other people's copies and they just kind of say, oh, we're playing with this expansion today. Okay, great, that's fine, what are the rules? It's a, I really like Battlestar Galactica. Uh, it does go long and I would say you could play um, Dark Moon, which used to be Battlestar Galactica Express or BSG Express, which I thought did the same thing like really quickly and awesomely in like less than an hour. Um, but there is some cool extra beef and crunch to the whole Battlestar Galactica system. And it was one of the early kind of trader mechanic games that's basically like a werewolf style game, kind of, sort of, not really. But you've got that betrayer, that, that, that trader in the midst that you've seen like games like Dead of Winter and some other games like that sort of carry on that kind of legacy of this. And you're basically trying to figure out who the Cylon is, if you're familiar with the Battlestar Galactica show. And it's a testament to how popular this game was, and I think still is, because it's no longer in print because FFG does not have the Battlestar Galactica license, and there's not really a Battlestar Galactica, you know, new episodes of the TV show or any kind of movies or anything coming out. So it was very much a licensed product. But the game mechanics and everything behind it were really solid and a lot of fun. I think especially so if you were into the TV show. Uh, which I was. Um, so this one has kind of fallen out, but really just because it's a, it's tied to a license. Uh, on the aftermarket, this stuff goes for really expensive. People really try to you know hunt down original copies of it. Um, they have the Abominable game that FFG came out with, which is pretty much the same mechanics from what I can see. I've not played the Abominable one. Um, I know I'm saying that name wrong, but uh, that's kind of a Cthulhu-themed sort of coat of paint on a very, very similar system to the Battlestar Galactica system. So in a way you have seen this uh, sort of last uh, through the years uh, just because it was tied to a license, you know, it's no longer around. So that was Battlestar Galactica, the Exodus expansion. Again, an expansion that people are really excited for over, uh, you know, kind of an unknown quantity in a, in a original game. But we're going to keep going through the list here. Uh, next one is the Ares Project. This came out from Z-Man Games. And this was designed... Um, by Jeff Engelstein and Brian Engelstein, his son. And they both have been involved in a lot of designs over the years. I still have a Jeff Engelstein Super Pinball 4K game. Uh, Ares Project was one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, I got a chance to play it probably six or seven times, you know, and I don't have it in my collection anymore. There's a lot going on with this. Like it is very much a, well, it's very indicative of a Z-Man game back then. Uh, Z-Man had, depending on the style of game, they had some light games and they had some like heavier games. Some of their heavier games like Earth Reborn and some other things around this era were very rules dense. There was a lot of rules going on, but once you kind of would get into them, then um, they were pretty smooth to play. And the Ares Project was pretty smooth and intuitive to play once you could kind of get through it. Now, it basically sort of couched itself as kind of a StarCraft-style game with four totally asymmetrical factions that all played way differently. Like, one one of them that you played, you were like this one massive giant, like, Titan robot. Another one, you were kind of like playing the Zerg in StarCraft, and one was kind of the more traditional, I don't remember what they were called in the game, like the Terrans. And... Uh, or Terrans, however you say it, who cares? And uh, so you played this and you had this, it was card driven. There was a, there was sort of a space. It was kind of like up front, if you ever played that, uh, where it was like the card space. So you had this sort of like 
just areas that you were kind of advancing and ret retreating from into. Then you could go behind your base. You would kind of set up like a little programming uh, type of thing where you set the cards up in a certain order, kind of activate them. There was a lot going on, but it was really fun and really smooth. It was just hard to teach and get new, you know, new folks to play because you have to teach them the game, then teach them the, you know, the faction that they had. And so it was, it was real, it was real tricky, but it was really like from like kind of a pure sort of like interest in game design. It was just kind of a neat to play like, Oh, look, look at this system and how it interacts with this other system. And so it's really cool from that, but you don't really hear about it anymore. I mean, Z-Man's kind of gone through some, some of its own transformations. I don't know if this would be one that they could revisit and maybe streamline a little bit or something, but, um, anyway, the Ares project. So it was, I remember it being pretty popular right out of the gate and people have, you know, struggling with it, but then it's kind of just, you know, died off over time. So the next one is the Dungeons and Dragons Wrath of a Shardalon uh, board game. And I think this is the second in the Dungeons and Dragons kind of board game series. It started off with uh, Castle Ravenloft and then did like the Legend of Dreest. And now there's probably like six or seven of these now. I think this is the second one. So this is kind of coming off of the strength of the, the first one, the Castle Ravenloft. And I have played these. I think I've played the first three, including this one. Uh, these are ones I kind of, I don't have them anymore. I kind of regret getting rid of them because they are like, they're really cool because they're like a dungeon crawl. There is like a campaign, but there's no, you know, carryover. There's no persistence. You just play one quest, then another. You can play them in different orders. Um, but there is sort of a storyline that you can kind of play through in a sense. And, you know, you can play your character and I think you can level them up once, which is kind of like, eh, you know, that's not, that's not so great. But it's just kind of like if you looked at them as like kind of a more of just a co-op that was sort of, you know, used the dressing of a dungeon crawl. That's the kind of way to look at them. Because as a dungeon crawl, it was just kind of, it was a little bit on the mechanical side. And I think there was some carryover from Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition stuff in here with some of the rules and things. And it was a little swingy because it used the D20, so which is great for like a role-playing game. But if you're trying to play like a game where you want to kind of feel fair and balanced and stuff like that, the D20 could get in the way because there's not really that opportunity for the role-playing aspect of it when you roll poorly. <laughs> You're just like, okay, we lose. <laughs> That's really the only role-playing part of it. Um, but I did really enjoy these. Every time I think about it, I'm like, gosh, you know, I did have fun with these. And you could kind of scale the difficulty. There was this thing like a surge token because the game was really could be really unfair. So you can say, okay, we're going to add, you know, one or two extra surge tokens and then, you know, play through it that way. And there was some kind of gaminess to how you could get the monsters to spawn. But they're, they're like the miniatures are really cool. The events and the different like treasures and stuff you could get were really neat. Like it was really well done. It was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And then the later editions have kind of fixed some of that stuff. Um, so they still have, I think they just had a new edition of it come out. It was this year or last year. So this system is still in print. I still see these in the stores, like at Barnes and Nobles and stuff like that. Uh, so this system has really lasted. And uh, like I said, it's one I've thought about. I'm like, I should go pick one of these up. And I'm like, ah, oh, there's just other, I've got a couple other dungeon crawls in the collection. I don't really need, you know, another one that I'll probably play a couple times and then want to get rid of again. But I do have really fond memories of this system. Okay, so the next one is Alien Frontiers at the Outer Belt. Uh, this is, I don't know which expansion this is for Alien Frontiers. I know I've not played with this expansion. I have played Alien Frontiers. I think Alien Frontiers is still in print. There was some issues with kind of the ownership of the license for Alien Frontiers, so I'm not sure where that sits. 
I think there was some, again, I don't want to comment on this kind of stuff because I don't really know what happened at all, honestly. Um, but the original owner, the designer of the game kind of lost the license to some other company, uh, Myriad Games or something like that. And then, or Game Salute at the time, I'm not sure what they were called. Um, and I think that company, whatever that company is called now, is still printing it and still making it. Um, I liked Alien Frontiers. I think it was like technically the first Kickstarter board game uh, that was that, that came out, and it was was at the time really successful. I mean, by today's standards, you probably wouldn't call it successful at all. But nobody was really using Kickstarter back then. But it funded, uh, and it's a neat game. It's it's like a dice worker placement game, which was something that we hadn't seen a lot of. I think Kingsburg was kind of the original sort of dice worker placement game. There was a couple others, uh, but it was kind of a new thing back then still. And then you can obviously see the popularity of it. You know, it was the number on this list here. It's the number eight. Uh, you know, in the most anticipated this expansion for it. So I liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as most people at the time, but I still, it's still a really fun game. I really, it, it, it's pretty good. Like, I don't know. I remember having some kind of issues with it. It was just kind of like, yeah, it was like some parts of it were like kind of a little boring to me for some reason, but I haven't played it in several years. So it'd be one I'd probably break out if somebody brought it. So we're going to skip another one here. We're going to go to, um, at least on the list I'm looking at, it's number six. Uh, it's the Blood Bowl Team Manager. So this is a card game. It came out from Fantasy Flight. Um, and it's not like Blood Bowl, the card game, because Blood Bowl is, you know, the big, you know, miniature game on the on the football pitch. And, you know, you move miniatures around and throw the football around. It's kind of like American-style football, kind of mixed up with rugby, sort of. You know, with fantasy orcs and everything, and elves and humans and all that. Now, Blood Bowl Team Manager was a card game where you you played through like a season of Blood Bowl and you kind of applied cards to these different matches, which was kind of like in the center of the table. You'd play as a two-player game. You played head-to-head and you play, okay, I'll play here, you play there. And then, uh, was it two-player? I think you could play it with more than two. It's been a while since I played it. I really liked this game uh, back then. I think they came out with one expansion for it. Um, Fantasy Flight doesn't have any of the Games Workshop licenses anymore. Um, I think after after a few plays of it, I kind of burned out on it a little bit um, because it was just kind of, I think it could get kind of samey after a while, but you can kind of see this, the legacy of the Blood Bowl team manager in some of the later games, um, like, uh, uh, what was the game? The Warhammer Quest card game, you could see it in there and stuff like that. And also with the next one, which I'll just move to the next game in the list. And this is the Lord of the Rings card game, which is still around. We've got new editions coming out of it. Uh, it lasted years and years and years and years with just tons of expansions. And we've seen a lot of games use kind of not the exact same system as the Lord of the Rings card game, but really close. I mean, we're talking uh, the Marvel Champion system is very close to that, that with how it works with the deck building and all that stuff. Uh, the Arkham Horror LCG, the Warhammer Quest adventure card game. This whole like idea of having monsters out that you play cards to to deal with the monsters or there's a quest card and you play some cards to kind of combat whatever the quest mechanic is, some kind of resource management idea. You can custom build these decks before you go through these different scenarios and you just kind of play through progressively and it's a co-op game or you can play it solo. Um, yeah, so this one, I think, you know, if you're watching this video, you probably have heard enough about this game, but this thing has just lasted forever. Um, and it's the number five game on this list. 
I'm kind of surprised this wouldn't be the number one. Oh, I can see why it wasn't. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an unknown quantity at the time, but it had that Lord of the Rings branding there. And this is, the, I didn't get a chance to play this one until probably a year or two. It was maybe a couple of years after uh, this came out. Cause I'm not, I like Lord of the Rings. It's not my most favorite, you know, thing. Um, the movies I really like, uh, well, I don't want to bog this down. The books, I'm like, eh, I don't really know. I, I like the Hobbit book. I didn't really like the trilogy book. It's just, I, I didn't like it, okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I really like the Hobbit, though. That's a good book. I actually read that one twice. Um, but Lord of the Rings is cool. I like the movies. Yeah, so it took me a while to really kind of get interested in this. And once I did play it, I was like, oh, this is really neat. Now, currently today... Like I said, the system is, is still lasted in a lot of ways. Marvel Champions is my jam. I like the Arkham Horror one too, but Marvel Champions is really my jam. I like the, how that one works. Uh, but this one, you know, it, this one's got its its fingers in a lot of stuff. So the next one on the list is the Do Dominion Cornucopia expansion. Um, this is one I think I did not play with as much as the, um, what was it, Dominion Intrigue and then the Alchemy expansion which I talked about last week. Um, I think I have played with it. I know I have because I've got pictures in my memory. But again, this is 2011. Dominion's still kind of going strong here. And they, we're going to probably see this peter out because there's been a couple of expansions after this Cornucopia expansion. And I think this is where Dominion's probably at its peak right here because it's number four on this list still. And now if you ask people to play Dominion, I don't. I think a lot of people would be like, you know, maybe if they've never played deck builders, they might be into it or something like that. But I think we're, this is like peak Dominion. It's, it's crested. The wave is cresting at this point. I'm guessing though, we're going to see, I'm not, like I said, I don't look ahead on these lists. So I, I have a feeling this is kind of like the crest of the Dominion popularity, but I don't remember what it was last week on the 2010, but the alchemy expansion was right there. And it was in the top five. I'm pretty sure. So, okay. And the next one here is Twa, which is spelled from an English-American perspective, Troyes. It's pronounced Trois. Uh, this is from Z-Man Games. Um, I don't know if this is in print. This is a pretty popular game. Most people like this game. I am one that does not like this game. Um, I don't want to get into it again, why I don't like it, but the artwork is really cool. The mechanics seem neat. When I play it, I don't like it. Um, but I think it's lasted. I think it's still in print to a degree. There was a card game spinoff of this. There was another, I can't remember what the other game was called. It didn't come out that long ago, but the, uh, I can't remember what the card game was called. I did, actually did like the card game quite a bit, um, but this is kind of another dice worker placement kind of thing. Uh, and there's also some like events driven by some of the dice really kind of, you know, I don't want to diminish the game because a lot of people really do like it, but it's kind of standard Euro fair. And I still hear people talk about this one. So I don't know print thing wise, like it's still really, you know, in actual fact stayed relevant. Um, but I know enough people who were playing games back then that, you know, would play it now. But to me, there's just like way better games out there. Um, so this one might still be around. I still have people talk about it though. So, okay, we've got two more to go. Uh, the number two on the list here is Eminence Domain. And uh, this was a big game for a while. Now, unfortunately, Tasty Minstrel Games has, has uh, gone out of business. Um, so I don't know if somebody would ever, were to pick up the rights to this game and, and remake it. Um, I could see it being popular. I, I really, really like this game and, and like this game. I don't have it anymore um, in my collection. Honestly, I played it to death. 
Um, and some of my friends have have a copy as well. So when if I'm going to play it, I've played it with them. Oh, last time we played it was probably a year or so ago. And uh, I really enjoy it. So this is one thing that's really interesting about Eminent Domain. It's like a deck builder, but also like a race for the galaxy. So you have the deck building, but then you also have like the, the, the lead and follow thing. So like in Glory to Rome, a race for the galaxy, you have that sort of concept, but also married with the deck building. And it has this space theme, similar to Roll for the Galaxy, where you're exploring... Um, you know, the galaxy and colonizing systems and getting tech upgrades and all this kind of stuff. And I would say for me, the first probably two expansions are good. The ones, the last couple, it's, it's just like too much, similar to the Race for the Galaxy. First couple expansions, great. And the last two, it's like, ah, there's just all this other stuff going on now. And this is not, a, I don't want, this is not a lifestyle game for me. I don't want to make this a lifestyle game. But it's really, really neat. Like, I've not seen any other game do things quite like this. Like, you say, oh, well, it's deck building plus role selection. Okay, yeah, but it, as a whole, the sum of those parts, it, there's nothing else really that feels like this game. And I think, I don't know, but I think, like, if somebody were to, you know, reprint this game in some form with maybe a different theme or a slightly different theme or a different name. I think I think it would do well. I'm not super sure. Uh, maybe if the printing would have, you know, like, you know, some of the expansion stuff mixed in, that might be good. Anyway, so this game has gone away kind of because Taste of Mitchell has gone out of business. So the last one we have here is uh, Mansions of Madness. And this was the original one. And so they had a second edition. Now, the original one really fell on its face. Um, there was a lot of problems with it. You know, it didn't really do well out of the gate and stuff like that. And I think there's people that do like it. I have a distinct memory of some folks playing it at the game store and really like, like verbally, like, like not having a good time with the game. Um, so, so yeah, so this one, I think it did had some, has somewhat of a following, but then, yeah, they, they kind of scrapped it pretty quickly after a few years and then came back to uh, the second edition, which has been really popular. There's been a lot of, you know, expansions and stuff like that for I think it's kind of teetered off a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think people were really interested in this because it just looked like a really fun modular type of thing. But the rules would just end up being too clunky and stuff like that. Um, so, so, yeah, so it... In terms of the overall general Mansions of Madness, it's still kicking around doing great, but that first edition really kind of stumbled out of the gate. Okay, so that's the uh, 2011 list of the most anticipated games, and then kind of where are they now. Uh, so look for another list uh, next week. Thanks.